If you would, again, in our Bibles in 2 Timothy chapter number 3, as we get started this morning, uh, as we come together, I want you to keep your Bibles handy. We're going to look at a lot of Scripture this morning, and so uh, some of it we may move to rather quickly, so you may want to jot and be ready to jot some things down. Uh, and so, but we have been uh, looking towards uh, focusing this morning on the importance of the Word of God. You know, I think one of the things that's easy for us to do is to just grow complacent in life, in every area of life. We, uh, <clears throat> it's, it's true of our, of our jobs, it's true of our marriages, it's true of parenting. Uh, it's just our nature as human beings to just kind of shift into a, a coast mode uh, and to just kind of let guard down. Uh, and when we do that, we tend to focus on uh, on the satisfaction of comfort and flesh rather than staying focused on the things which are most important. One of the things that I've learned over the years is that uh, that things that are important are always seem to be under attack. Either they're under extreme overt attack from outside pressures or they're from under attack from uh, from our own lack of, of character or maybe a time of period where we've just grown tired uh, and weary and well-doing. Uh, and the Bible is one of those things. In, the, in my lifetime, uh, the, the focus on the production of multiple versions of the, of the Bible uh, has just exploded. And it is, it is something that uh, as a young man, I would have never foreseen or thought, and there's not really any, nece any necessity for it. There's no real reason for it other than making money. Uh, and it, but it, what it does is it brings a lot of confusion in people's hearts. It causes, uh, it causes individuals, it causes uh, denominations, it causes churches uh, to question and to wonder, is this book that I have real? Is this Bible that I have trustworthy? Is it something that I can rest upon uh, and live my life according to? And so we're going to kind of address some of those things this morning uh, and why the Bible is so important. I, I think that if, if a Christian understands this basic fundamental truth, that how important the Scripture is to our lives, that it will spare us from not just a lot of heartache and grief, but it will keep us in step with God's desire for our heart and life. Every Christian should have a desire to serve and to please God. Every Christian should have a desire to grow closer in our lives and our walk with God. We should be seeking and searching for, uh, for the Lord's presence to, to resonate within our hearts and our lives. It ought not be a strange thing to you to come into the Lord's house and feel the presence of God with you. It should be something that is normal to every Christian, not just when we gather together in his house and with his people, but it should be something that is a part of my everyday life. I want to wake up in the morning uh, conversant with the Holy Spirit of God and to be knowing that the Lord is leading my life. In August 2010, a newsletter that was put out by Answers in Genesis, if you're not familiar with their, with their ministry, then perhaps you're familiar with the Ark Encounter or the Creation Museum. Uh, this is the ministry that operates those museums and has built them. But on the cover of their, of their newsletter in August of 2010 uh, was this statement. If a person cannot trust the Bible from the very first verse, that person can have no reason for confidence in the rest of Scripture. And that's a very true statement. 
Why is it so important that I know that the Word of God is true, that it's been preserved for me from its original intent and content from what God gave? Why is that so vital to my everyday Christian life? And the answer is contained in that statement. If I can, if I can doubt one word, then I must doubt it all. It's either all true or none of it's true. It's either all trustworthy or none of it's trustworthy. And so as a Christian, I have to come to grips with the fact that this book is either the Word of God or it is not. So, well, Pastor, how can I know that? How can I prove that? Well, I'm going to give you some things to help you with that this morning. But ultimately, it is a decision that you and I must make based upon faith. It is not a decision that can be made uh, on complete scientific objectivity. It is something that we have to take <coughs> by faith. The Bible is scientifically accurate, but the Bible is not a scientific book. The Bible is historically accurate, but only sections of it are a historical book. Uh, the Bible gives us the heart, the mind, and the person, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ in print. How can I gain faith? How can I grow in my faith? And the answer is that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If I get in the book, then the Holy Spirit goes to work in my heart, convincing me, <coughs> excuse me, of its truth. And so I'm a lot better than last week, but I'm still not all the way back. <coughs> excuse me. And so we live in a time when it's difficult to have confidence in much of anything. I mean, the reality is, is that, that many children grow up with a lack of confidence in their parents because of character flaws and because of poor decisions and because of uh, just a general wishy-washiness that we have in our lives and uh, in our society. We certainly live in a time when we have little confidence in government, uh, where many people have no confidence in their employers, and, and by and large, employers are after the bottom line. They're far more concerned about, uh, about the bottom line than caring for their, their most important assets said in their employees. There are exceptions to that, uh, but they are far and few between. We live in a time uh, where we have very little confidence in our spiritual leaders. The social media and the media in general focuses on, on spiritual leader failure rather than, uh, than giving any kind of confidence to those that, uh, that lead us well. Uh, our, many have doubts about their fidelity of their spouse and the love of their spouse or their children. And we just live in a time where we, where we lack confidence in almost everything around us. And because of that culture, it becomes difficult for us to look at the Word of God and consequently the God of the Word and have confidence in Him. And it's important that we have confidence in God. It is vital to the Christian life that I have confidence in His Word. If I don't have this book to go to for answers, if I cannot put my faith and trust in it, my salvation is in jeopardy, my confidence in, in my walk with God is in jeopardy, everything in my life begins to be cast into doubt. And so the thought of having confidence in anyone or anything but ourselves is today an anti-cultural concept. <clears throat> I want to look out for myself. I want to trust in myself. I want to believe in my truth. Uh, and the reality is I have no truth but the Word of God. Uh, and so we need to understand those things. If Satan can cause us to doubt, then he can lead us astray. 
I may not say many things this morning as important as understanding that simple statement. Why is it so under attack? Why is the Word of God so marginalized in our culture and society? Why is it worked against so, so, uh, so aggressively? And the re reason is that the God of this world wants us to doubt the Word of God. And so he wants us to understand or wants us to be deceived and wants to lead us astray. And if I doubt God's word, then Satan easily can lead me astray. I follow that which I believe. I develop my values based upon that which I believe. If I believe in the doctrine of the culture today, then that shapes and that molds the decisions in the fabric of my life. Uh, those in the world around us that embrace uh, the secular ideology uh, that just is, you know, immorally, immorality run amok. Uh, if, if I embrace that as normal, then it shapes how I live. It shapes my values. It shapes how I vote. It shapes how I invest. It shapes how I spend money. It shapes how I entertain myself, everything about it. And if Satan can cause me to doubt the word of God, he can lead me astray. Ultimately, he wants us to doubt the word of God, any portion of it, because when we do, it has been invalidated in our hearts and in our minds, whether we're willing to admit that yet or not. And so I have to come to grips with the fact that either this book to me personally is real and true or it is not. People who follow what people will follow what they trust, even to their own destruction. <coughs> in in uh, January, on January the 18th of 1982, the U.S. Air Force Thunderbirds were practicing in Nevada for an air show uh, in Arizona on the next weekend. And they, if you've ever been to an air show and you watch these aerial demonstration teams, whether it's the uh, the Thunderbirds of the Air Force or the, or the Blue Angels of the Navy, you know that they've got generally six aircraft. Four of them prim primarily fly together in what they call a diamond formation. It's a very tight formation. Uh, they fly most of the of the show uh, with their wingtips and noses no more than a foot to 18 inches apart. And so the concentration level uh, at speeds in excess of uh, of, of several hundred miles an hour has got to be on point. They have to be really focused on uh, what they're doing. They, they really have to be focused on what their, what their partners are doing more than their own instrumentation, more than their orientation to the ground. And when they're in that formation, the lead pilot has the responsibility of keeping their altitude right, keeping their airspeed right. He is the one that is focused on where we're going, how fast we're going. The other three with him are focused on staying in their spot. They're not worried about instrumentation. They're not worried about altitude. They have their full, complete, total trust is focused upon that leader of the formation. On January 18th, 1982 in Nevada, folks were watching as they practiced and watch them come out. One of the maneuvers that they would do is a, is a full barrel roll in that tight formation. And when they come out of it, when they get to the bottom, they're, they're going in excess of 400 miles an hour. And as they're to level out, they're to level out at about 100 feet above the surface of the ground. And on this particular day, the leader, uh, initially it was thought that the leader misjudged his altitude. But in reality, the investigation showed that the stabilizer on his aircraft malfunctioned and stuck. And he flew directly into the ground and so did his three fellow airmen. They all perished on that day. 
they lost their lives because they were following someone in whom they put their complete and utter trust in. But because of mechanical failure, they lost their lives. I'm just saying this morning that if I put my faith and my confidence and my trust in the things of this world and the God of this world, it is going to cause me to be led to destruction. But if I put my faith and my confidence and my trust in the Word of God, then it's going to lead me to life everlasting. It's going to lead me to a life that's productive. It's going to lead me to answered prayer. It's going to lead me to bearing fruit for the cause of Christ. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Perhaps no verse in Scripture has ever been more attacked than that verse of Scripture. Why? Because right from the beginning we, are, we are, have forces at play that want to cause us to doubt. Even many Christians would say that, hey, there's a big gap between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. Uh, and so... Uh, there are all kinds of theories out there to try to rationalize scientific discovery into the Word of God rather than understanding that God had a way, a plan to make it all make sense. And I don't have to understand it now. I have to trust Him now. Uh, I, will, I will understand it someday. Listen, there is nothing in your life, there is nothing in my life so important today as the Word of God. And if I don't trust it, I will fail. If I don't trust it, my life will end up in shipwreck. If I don't trust it, I will, I will, even in my attempt to serve God, I will be led astray. I will find myself adrift. I will find myself far from God. And so the Bible is important. It's crucial to every believer. Now, how do I come to that? How do I understand that? How does that manifest itself in my life? And I want you to consider this morning that the Bible is important because the Bible is authentic. And if you're keeping notes this morning, point number one is considering the authenticity of the Scripture. The Bible is what I have, the one book that I have that's authentic. I <coughs> see things from time to time that will come with a, a, a certificate of authentication. It's what validates and what proves that what you have is real. Uh, if you go and you purchase an expensive piece of jewelry, uh, it generally is going to come uh, with some kind of certificate of authenticity. If you go and buy a uh, Thomas Kincaid painting at a gallery, uh, it's going to come with a certificate that authenticates that it's not a copy, uh, that it's not something that is a uh, cheap imitation, but it's something that is real. It's something that is uh, that has the value that it claims to have. That it is as important as it says that it is. That it is worth what it says it's worth. And I'm just here to tell you this morning that the Word of God is authentic. Amen. That it does not overstate its importance to us. That God has not overstated its importance to us. That no pastor that has stood in a pulpit throughout history and said that the Word of God is the utmost of importance to your life has ever overstated that simple truth. Uh, that it is authentic. And I can have all confidence that this book that I have in my hand is the holy word of God. So, Pastor, how do you know that? We're going to consider three or four things here this morning. We're going to look at, <coughs> at, several, at several verses of Scripture that where the Bible shows us uh, and references to us the importance of it. We start with our text this morning and verse number 16 in, Gen in 2 Timothy chapter 3. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And I would say this morning that the Bible is authenticated by its author. 
When we start, we consider where does this book come from, uh, and you would say, well, Pastor, there were, uh, there were uh, you know, 66 books that were written over a period of, uh, of uh, 1,900 years or so, that, uh, and I'm probably getting that year, the years wrong, uh, but, but by 40 or so different authors uh, approximately, and I would say that that is the wrong assessment. There was only one author. There might have been 40 writers, but there's only one author, and that author is God. The Holy Spirit of God gave us the Word of God, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. In Acts chapter 1 and verse number 16, he says, Men and brethren, the Scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. It was the Holy Ghost that gave uh, the Word of God. In Hebrews chapter 3 and verse number 7, he says, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, it was the Spirit of God uh, that gave us by inspiration the Word of God, and therefore I can trust it. It is authentic because it's been authenticated uh, by the author. Uh, also in uh, in Hebrews chapter number 3, uh, in verse, or, or excuse me, in 2 Peter chapter 1, in verse number uh, 21, he said, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy So I know this morning that the scripture is authentic because it has been authenticated by the author. But not only has it been authenticated by the author, it has been authenticated by witnesses. He has not just left us with a book and said, hey, I wrote this book and it's true. I wrote this book and blindly trust it. He said, no, I wrote this book and I have as God in heaven authenticated this book. And not only have I as its author authenticated it, but as a, I have left witnesses behind to authenticate it as well. Again, in Second Peter, uh, in chapter number one and beginning in verse 19, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved again by the Holy Ghost. And so we say this morning that it's authenticated by witnesses in James chapter number one just a few pages back uh, from where we are in James chapter number one and verse number 18 uh, he says of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures he is our God he is our Savior but he does not leave us to just wonder and to uh, to labor upon that if it's true uh, based upon uh, what others have said but he's given us witnesses as he's authenticated in Romans chapter number three and verse number two he says much every way chiefly because that unto them or the Jews were committed the oracles of God the Word of God is crucial to our Christian life. <clears throat> Without it, I do not know who God is. Without it, I do not know His character. Without it, I do not understand how the Holy Spirit works and ministers to my heart. Without it, I cannot find a, a path forward whenever I am 
Whenever I am in, in times of distress, listen, it is authenticated this morning by its witnesses. Why is that important? Well, even in, in the Bible, it took two to three, it took three, two witnesses to, uh, to verify that something was true. Their stories had to match exactly, even in our modern court systems, uh, in most places of the world, but specifically in the United States, uh, witnesses are of utmost importance. There is the evidence, but that part of that evidence is, uh, is the integrity of the witness. And I'm saying this morning that there is no lack of integrity in the witness that has been given us by God to the veracity of his word. It is true. It is holy. It was given by his spirit. It has been authenticated by its author. It has been authenticated by its witnesses. It has been authenticated thirdly by the fulfillment of its prophecies. It is something that he has given us where we can go back hundreds of times, literally just regarding the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, and see where old men uh, in the Old Testament where prophecy was given, uh, and then that prophecy in the New Testament came uh, to pass. And not only did it come to pass uh, but through the Scripture, but historically it can be verified that it in fact came to be the way that the Scripture said that it would come to be. Uh, we see in the Old Testament in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, uh, the prophecy of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. When the Bible tells us there, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. A virgin shall conceive. Why is that so important? Because it requires the supernatural act of a holy God. It was not something that could happen by a freak of nature. It was something that required supernatural intervention. It was something that God gave. It was an avenue for our Savior to be born without the sinful nature by which we have been given and passed down to us from Adam. But we uh, got a sinful nature from the first Adam. We can receive a new nature from the second Adam in the Lord Jesus. Christ. And we come this morning, we must understand that he is authenticated by the fulfillment uh, of the scripture in Isaiah chapter number 53. And we don't have time this morning uh, to read the entire chapter, but but he says there, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. In verse number 10, he hath put him to grief. Uh, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed and shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the uh, see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Listen, the stripes of all of us, the sin of all of us was laid upon the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he suffered on Calvary's cross to bear and to pay our sin debt. In Psalm 22 in verse 1 he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? A direct reference and prophecy to what Jesus would cry out on the cross uh, and in verification of the fulfillment of these prophecies verifying the authenticity of the scripture. It's authenticated not just by the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, the witnesses uh, that have been given us in, uh, in days gone by and in, in the Old Testament scripture, but it's also this morning been authenticated uh, by the life-changing power that it gives. <coughs> Our lives were changed by the word of God. 
Our souls came to salvation in Christ Jesus through the power of the Word of God. In Psalm 19 and verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Uh, my soul was converted this morning by the power of the Word of God. As God gave His grace and the Holy Spirit moved and drew me to a state uh, of repentance in my heart to turn from my sin and put my faith and trust in Christ, the law of the Lord is perfect. It is without error. It is without, discre or without discrepancy. It is perfect and it converts the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. There is nothing more precious than the Word of God. There is nothing more important than the Word of God. Without it, I cannot enter into relationship with Christ. Without it, I cannot discover relationship with Christ. Without it, I cannot understand the vileness of my sin. I cannot understand my condition without Christ. I'll never understand my need for a Savior from heaven without the importance of the Word of God. And I don't need a book. Some random author coming and telling me and preaching to me uh, that if I don't do this, this, that, or the other, that I'm going to end up in, in purgatory someday. What I need is the Word of God that was given by the Spirit of God that does not and cannot be doubted, but gives me the full truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The authentic, authenticity of the Scripture this morning. Secondly, the Bible is important because of its authority. Not only is it authentic, but it's authoritative. The authority of the scripture. Secondly, this morning, we consider the authority of its person. John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So pastor, what is Jesus? Who is Jesus? He is the Bible. What is the Bible? The Bible is Jesus. In the beginning. All the way back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. Why is Genesis 1 1 attacked so vehemently? Why is it so uh, scrutinized? Why is it caused? And why does everyone in the world want us to doubt it so much? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He is our God. He is our Savior, and He is authoritatively so. He is not one that just comes as a passing fancy, He is not one that just comes on the whim. Uh, of cultural relevance. He is God. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is, stands the test of time. He has no beginning and He has no end. He is forever our Savior and our God. Amen. Revelation chapter 19 and beginning in verse 11. John writes, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself, and was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name was called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, and out of his mouth goeth forth the sharp, goeth a sharp sword, and that with it uh, he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath this on his vesture uh, and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And Jesus Christ is his name. Amen. And we come this morning understanding the authority of the Scripture. We have the authority of its person. 
the authority of a risen Savior, the authority of a creating God, the authority of a guiding spirit. Uh, it is the authority of the one who gave it. Not only do we see the authority of its person, but we see this morning the authority of its plan. God did not come and, and create man without a plan. God did not save my soul and let me, let me leave me to live my life uh, on a whim, but he has a plan. God has a plan for everything, every part of creation, every creature uh, every creature that he created and spoke into being uh, everything about it there is a plan he begins to reveal that plan uh, clearly in Psalm 1-1 blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor standeth in the way of sinners nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful but his delight is in the word or in the law of God where is our delight this morning where are we resting upon this morning where are we trusting what is our faith this morning what is the authority that we have for life? Do I live my life by the authority of, a, of the citizenship that I hold in the United States or do I hold my authority and live my life by the authority that I have granted me as a citizen of heaven? I come before you this morning saying that the authority that we have from a government shall come and will pass it will fade away but the authority of the word of God will stand forever it's not going anywhere. He has a plan for your life and that blessed is the man. If I want to live a blessed life, if I want to live a pure life, if I want to live a productive life, if I want to live a meaningful life that does not end when I leave this earth, but my impact lives on beyond me and has eternal value, then it must come from understanding that I must walk in the Word of God, that I must value it, the authority of the Scripture, the authority of its person, the authority of His plan, the authority, His authority, meaning that He has the right and the power to command he is the I am. Revelation 1.8 tells us he is the Alpha and the Omega. Psalm 24.1 says that the earth is the Lord's. It is not mine. It is not ours. It has been entrusted to us by God to care for and to enjoy and to reach with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when it's all said and done, it belongs to him. <clears throat> We've considered this morning the authenticity of the scripture. We've considered the authority of the scripture. Consider that it's important this morning because of the, because it's automatic. It automates us. The automation of the scripture. So, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean by that that when we say something is automated, we say what we're saying is that it has in itself the power of motion. It is a self-motivating machine. And when we consider uh, the Word of God, consider in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 11 that God said, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. That my life has changed this morning from what it once was because of the Word of God. Amen. That I am different today than I once was because of the Word of God. The Word of God this morning uh, is something that we must come to understand. Uh, is not just a book on a shelf, but it is a living, organic being in Jesus Christ. Uh, that it is a living book. That it is appropriate for every day, from every time, for every age. That it is not something that grows old or is outdated. It is something that stands eternal. And it's powerful. How do I know it's powerful? He tells us in Hebrews chapter 4. 
in verse number 12 for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart listen I cannot even know the intent of my own heart Jeremiah tells us that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things who can know it and then the next verse says the Lord God knoweth the heart it is the word of God that reveals the heart my own heart will deceive me but the word of God can discern the thoughts and the intents of it if I want to know where I stand if I want to know what my value system is if I want to know if I'm in fellowship with God I need no no further go no further than to turn to the word of God and to ask it to examine my life it's powerful this morning not only is it powerful uh, but it produces what does it produce pastor well we've already referenced once this morning Romans chapters 10 and verse uh, number 17 where the Bible tells us uh, that that uh, here faith cometh by hearing and hearing cometh by the word of God uh, and I would say this morning that the word of God produces faith if you're here this morning and you're trying to figure out how do I accept Christ, how do I find eternal life, how do I know for sure that I'm going to heaven, how can I trust this Jesus that you preach of, how can I trust uh, that he was truly born of a virgin, how can I trust that he miraculously rose from a grave, how can I trust that the Holy Spirit wants to guide my life and wants to give me direction and wants to teach me about the deep things of God. Pastor, how can I trust that? You have to trust it by faith. And if you lack faith, spend time in the book and the book will grow your faith. Especially that doesn't make sense to me. Just trust it. Don't try to make sense of it. We trust all kinds of things in this world that we don't understand. I pick up my phone and I look at it. And it's a little powerful computer. It's more powerful than the computers that sent men to the moon. And I hold it in my hand. I don't have the foggiest idea of how it works, but I trust that when I turn it on, it's going to come on. I trust that whenever I push my wife's name, it's going to show me her phone number because I don't remember it anymore because my phone has turned me into an idiot. <laughs> I, I look at it and I uh, find emails and messages and I type them in there and I trust that when I press send, it's going to go to the person that I intended it to go to. I don't understand how that works, but I trust it. Why do I trust it? Because I've tried it and I've proved it and I found it to be true. And if you'll try it and you'll prove the word of God, you'll find it to be true. Amen. It will not fail you. It will not lead you astray. It is, a, it is a authentic and it is authoritative and it is automatic. It will work in your life if you allow it to. If you lack faith this morning, you need do nothing else but spend time in this pages and it will convince you the Holy Spirit will of its truth. Romans chapter 15 and verse number 4. The Bible tells us, Therefore whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. I would say to you this morning that the Word of God produces hope. Suicide is an epidemic in our country today. Suicide in those that are in early ages is one of the leading causes of death in our nation today. It seems like you don't hardly go through a week where you don't see some other another celebrity that's ended their life early or someone uh, that has tragically uh, murdered their families and then ended their own lives. And uh, it is a growing academic today because people lack hope. 
They have nowhere else to turn. They don't know what to put their faith in. All they know is that their life around them has collapsed and the things that they put their value in and the money that they thought would buy them happiness and the drugs that they thought would help them forget their burdens and their worries. Uh, they found out that when they came back to sober uh, that their problems were still there and that the pressure was still there uh, and that the heartache was still there and that the betrayal was still there and that the money can only buy things that cannot buy happiness. It cannot bring peace. It cannot satisfy anything but the word of God. God gives us hope in the Lord Jesus Christ and he gives a peace that passes all understanding and he provides every need. He will not leave us uh, hungry. He will not leave us without. He will not leave us uh, alone in this world. It produces faith. It produces hope. John chapter 15 uh, in verse number three says, now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. I would say this morning, that it produces cleansing. And so often we find ourselves in a bad way spiritually and giving up because we just feel dirty, grimy, worthless. My friends, the Lord Jesus Christ cleansed your soul from sin when he saved it. But as I go through my daily life and I walk through this world and I come out stinking, he gives cleansing. Oh, my soul, if I put my faith in Christ is saved, then that's settled forever. And my sin, as far as my salvation is concerned, all of it, even the things that I haven't done yet, have already been forgiven. They're already under the blood of Christ. But that sin that I deal with on a daily basis that affects my walk with God, that affects God's working in my heart, that affects my relationship with my Father in heaven, uh, that compromises that relationship, that sin I need cleansing from. If you were to go outside this afternoon and take a walk around your neighborhood and you came back in, you'd smell like a wet dog. Sometimes I walk into the fellowship hall and the kids come in if it's a warm day and they've been outside uh, at, at school and they've been out on the parking lot playing basketball or playing volleyball or doing one of those things during one of their breaks. Uh, when you have to walk into a small classroom and uh, Brother Roger's classrooms typically, uh, Brother Roger, if your classroom stinks on Sunday, it's because all the school kids were in there for chapel on Wednesday and it hasn't died down yet. Uh, when you walk in there, it just stinks like outside. If you work in a plant somewhere, when you get home, you smell like a plant. If you work in a restaurant somewhere, when you get home, you work in a restaurant. I remember whenever I was a teenager working in a place uh, called Baker's Square. At the time, it was popping fresh pies outside of Chicago. And it was just a little uh, a little dessert place. It was a lot like Dot's Cafe down on, uh, on I-10, <coughs> getting into Houston. And, uh, and I'd get home at night, and I'd, I'd smell like a patty melt every night. <laughs> This is what you smell like. Needed a shower. Needed to be cleaned. You cannot walk through this world. You cannot live from day to day without smelling like the world. And what the word of God gives us is cleansing. I need to let the word of God cleanse me. I need to let the word of God freshen me every day. I need to let it come and to penetrate my heart, to penetrate my soul and to permeate my life so that it is working in me. Understand that the automation of the scripture means that it is powerfully working in my life. It means it is producing in my heart faith and hope and cleansing if I will allow it and it is effective. I'm so glad this morning that the book that we live by is effective. 
There are a lot of things in life that we try. There are a lot of things that we do that just simply don't work. The older we get and the more medicines the doctors want us to take, you kind of find out that it's a lot of trial and error trying to figure out what's going to work and what's not, what's going to be effective and what's not. Uh, And I'm just telling you this morning that the Word of God is effective. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2. In verse number 13, the Bible says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. It effectively works in the hearts of those that believe. If it's not working in my life, it's because I'm not believing. If I'm not, if it's not working and producing an effect in my life, the breakdown is not on the automation of the scripture. The breakdown is on the automation of my heart. Am I willing to open my heart and my life? Again, Isaiah 55:11. It will not return void. It will produce that which God has sent it to accomplish if I will let it. Scripture this morning reveals God to man, but Scripture also reveals man to himself. What's so important about the authenticity of the Scripture? What's so important about the authority of the Bible? What's so important about the automation of its power in my life? Because it reveals myself to me. It shows me who I am. It shows me who I'm not. See, the world will convince me that I'm pretty good. The world will convince me that I'm not so bad. The world will convince me that I'm just like everybody else and uh, or better, and so I'll be okay. The whole world is marching to the drumbeat of, uh, if you just are better than your neighbor, then you'll get to heaven okay. That if you're just better than the next guy, uh, then you're a morally upright citizen. But I'll not be judged when I stand before God as to how I measured up to the thoughts of culture and society. Nor will I be judged by God as how I measure up with uh, a brother or sister in Christ or a stranger standing next to me in the grocery store aisle. I'll be measured to the standard of the person and the character and the value of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I'm measured against him, I'll be found lacking. And in that moment, only the word of God will be proved true. Only the word of God will stand incorrupted. Only the word will show itself authentic. One of the things that I think is so important that every Christian be is not fake and not showy. And as a church, I, uh, I try to emphasize to us uh, that, we, that we be genuine and that we be real. We don't have to be perfect. So many people are so concerned about putting out a perfect product or a perfect persona or a perfect image that, they, that they're fake and they're showy and the world sees through it. I stand before you preaching this morning a flawed man. A man with many problems, a man with many sins, a man uh, who needs to go to God and and ask forgiveness on a daily basis. I I stand uh, a man uh, who is lacking in many ways, uh, but I also stand a man uh, that presents to you this morning someone who tries actively to live what's preached in this pulpit. 
We just want to be genuine. Do we fail at times? Absolutely. But the Word of God never does. It's genuine. It's authentic. It's real. It revealed God to me. It revealed myself to me. And when it revealed myself to me, and it led me to God's mercy and God's grace, and it gave me its truth and issued to my heart its hope, I found forgiveness and salvation in its Savior. And He didn't stop when He saved my soul. He continues to work on me to this very day. The Word of God, it's life-changing. The world attacks it, and it tells us if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Protect it. Preserve your image of it in your mind and in your heart. There's nothing that you have in this life. There is no, no possession that you have, I don't care how much it costs you, that's of any greater value or that's any more of importance than this book. It's real. It's important. It's authentic. It's authoritative. And it will automatically work in your life if you will immerse yourself in its truth.